Very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And we're going to talk today about friendship. I don't understand the concept. See, when, when you know, you don't actively alienate everyone in your life mm. and you have people with whom you enjoy spending time with. Mm. Um, so like TV characters. Yeah, but in the real world and they're oh, humans. I don't No, I don't care for that. Well, how about this? How about we talk about the TV characters who have this thing called friendship? And maybe I'm going to narrow it down for you a little bit more, Ben. Female friendship. Oh, I don't understand Women. that. Well, that is completely <laughs> understandable. Chicks, as in women. Yeah. No. Foul. No. Foul? It's a bad friend's quote, but Chandler basically, that it's like, do you understand... Somebody asks him like, if you understand women, and he goes, he go, or no, if you understand chicks, and he goes, foul? No. Ah, uh, okay, I got Women? You. No. That's yeah. pretty much my, my viewpoint on the topic. Oh, well, very good. I mean, no, you, you've seen it happen on the television, though, that there would be these TV shows where there are two ladies, and, sure. they, and they are friends. They seem to get along. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, as a fictional concept, at the very least, it can make for some really fun television. It has in the past. I mean, like, so we're just going to talk about a few of our favorite examples. This is a tribute to um, the show Playing House, which just premiered uh, on USA for its third season. And I, f- I, I feel like both you and I, I, I feel like I've never really dug into the show the way I want to, but it's always been a really pleasant viewing experience. It's got an amazing cast. And everyone just seems, it just, it makes you happy. It's a, one of those shows where... Maybe there's not a, a crap ton of like conflict and drama, but instead you just like spend time with these nice people. Uh, it consistently evokes uh, a word that is banned at IndieWire for overuse, uh, delightful, because it is quite delightful. When did we ban delightful? It's been banned for a while now. Oh, so I didn't get that banned. I've been editing your pieces, don't worry. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Now I have to double check. Good luck. You're going to have to go through a lot of articles because we all use Delightful too much. You don't get to make those choices. I, I do. I'm an editor. A editor. Right. You're not the boss of me. I know. Hmm. It's all very suspicious. Ben, why don't you tell me about a female friend? When we talk about the concept of female friendship on television, though, beyond, beyond playing house, what is an example that comes to mind for you? I mean, you have to start with friends. Um, the friends. Because friends is is the basis of all friendship, at least for me. And I, I have talked about this before on the podcast and that I, I've probably got an unhealthy understanding of friendship in real life because of uh, my formative years spent watching friends and uh, how in, like just obsessively close they were, like the, the, the presumptions that they had of spending time together um, no matter what else came in the way and how often that occurred and the unlocked doors and the wanderings and the appearances when you came home and just the general like expectation that friends will always be around uh which is very comforting it's a it's a it's a very warm thing to watch on tv and uh the the women of friends were always very very fun to watch they always were uh, incredibly instinctually perfect in their friendships and the way they discussed them and and broke them down. 
Yeah. Well, they appreciated each other. They I had fights, but they were fun. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like there's something like when you especially that like episodes of Friends where they would kind of split off and it would be like there'd be the girls' storyline and then the boys' storyline. Like I always it, like there's something about the chemistry between the women of Friends that the men of Friends didn't quite have. Like you had a really lovely bond between Chandler and Joey, but they but then like Ross was always kind of like a third wheel in that instance. Whereas I feel like. Monica, Rachel, and Phoebe. Are you going to violently disagree with me? Yeah, you're horribly incorrect. Uh, so actually, the, the the dynamic when you split up the group by gender, it, it comes down to there's a connecting force like right in the middle that is Chandler for the men. So Chandler is roommates with Joey, but he'd known Ross since college where they right. were also roommates. So he's the, the link that kind of keeps everybody together and on a somewhat equal playing field. Whereas they never really... Uh, you know, in part because you don't want to just have the exact same friend dynamic. Uh, you don't want to copy yourself as writers. But, you know, Phoebe kind of, as Rachel states in one of the episodes, she just kind of lifts right up. Uh, Rachel and Monica grew up together. They've been friends forever. Um, that, that bond, they were roommates, whereas Phoebe, you know, lived on her own slash with a roommate that nobody ever met. Um, so Phoebe was always kind of the one who lifted right out. And whenever there was kind of a, a group dynamic between the three women, it was usually a central conflict between Rachel and Monica that drove it, and then Phoebe was kind of the the warden of sorts, to mm-hmm. use another example from one of the episodes in which they were moving out and they got in a fight, and she said that they were her bitches if they were in prison, which was pretty delightful. <laughs> and I, I always thought that gave Phoebe a, a very lively, like that added to her lively personality and her unpredictability and kind of just the general quirkiness. So I very much enjoyed that about Phoebe, and I like that she has the confidence not really to let that phase her. Like it was, it. she was hurt when Rachel made the comment about her lifting right out, but she doesn't, you know, need that. She has self-confidence and assurance and she knows what she brings to the table and she's awesome. That's why she's Phoebe. Um, but yeah, I uh, I actually, I, I very much feel if you were going to say that one group wasn't as bonded as the other, the women were less bonded than the men. I see your point there. But I feel like, I don't know, I'm just thinking, I'm just, I'm just like thinking like, beyond the actual facts of their of the characters like thinking about their thinking about scenes where they were just like you know hanging out in monica rachel's apartment like watching tv or something like i always felt like they had a really connected energy i think you're probably just uh fixated on the image of them all wearing wedding dresses while watching tv together because that was an iconic shot and image and episode and it was one of those moments where Literally everything you just said came together in a beautiful way where they were just pounding back beers and wearing wedding dresses and I've living in their the wedding dresses. Oh, it was great. It was a wonderful episode. You should check it out. Early seasons. How early, though? Because I, I, stopped, I stopped my rewatch basically literally because I was, I was watching season three and I was like, I really should stop rewatching this as soon as I get to the episode where, whenever, whenever Ross and Rachel take a break. And then I checked the name of the episode I had just started watching and it was the one where Ross and Rachel take a break. And I was like, good, abort. So I haven't watched past season three in a while. That's a, that's a, that just a crime unto itself, Elizabeth. <sighs> I mean, first of all, the best episode of all time of Friends is in season four. Which one is that? It's the, uh, it's called the one with the embryos, but it's the one where they, they have a gender war over the apartments and then they switch apartments. It's a trivia contest. Yes, I will watch that episode, but only that episode. No, season four is fantastic. And season five is great. Season five is where Ross is spiraling after his divorce and he moves in with the guys and they have any institutes. Well, you can't see this because this is an audible podcast, but he does the, like, let's just bring it down. Let's just, let's just, 
let's just do this. And then Joe and Chandler fight, and it's cute, and they pop up and make a fort. We're talking a lot about men right now. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you're giving me a lot of reasons to talk about men because you're not watching Friends. There's a lot of great, you know, Monica developments. That's when, I mean, season four is when Monica and Chandler start their wonderful relationship. Um, Rachel is, I think that's the Joshua years for Rachel because she's still trying to get over Ross because of the Emily thing. Mm-hmm. But that's by, actually, that might be season. I, I need to do a rewatch. You clearly do. You're falling apart over here. I know. I can't even really think of the, I'm trying to picture the plot for the wedding dress episode because feel like Monica picked up a, a wedding dress for like her cousin but when she went to pick it up she tried it on mm. oh no this was season four because Phoebe was pregnant because hers was maternity gotcha. maternity wedding dress but she was drinking a beer and then I think Rachel had her old wedding dress because of when she ran out on it and that's right. how they all ended up having wedding dresses together and then they all said like Monica was embarrassed that she kept trying on the dress and then uh Phoebe was pounding on the door to be let in, and she was wearing... This is riveting podcasting, by the way. (laughs) Me recounting Friends episodes. But to finish it off, Phoebe was pounding on the door because she was wearing the dress. So then when they opened it, uh, they both freaked out because they were wearing it together, and they were embracing that kind of shameful uh, side of themselves where it's like, I just want to wear my wedding dress and pretend that I'm getting married because it's fun. And it's like, great, it is fun. Do it. And then uh, Rachel comes over and puts on her own, and then they're just sitting on the couch having some beers. It's great. Um, I love them. They're perfect. They're all great. <laughs> Friends is a perfect show. <laughs> um, I feel like a po- if, if, if a very good television podcast just eventually devolves into this week, Ben tells reminds Liz what happened um, on this episode of Friends, I feel like people will embrace it and go along with the ride. I think I could only do this with Friends, The Leftovers, Parks and Rec, maybe 30 Rock. Maybe Friday Night Lights. There's a few. Yeah, I could, All right, I, Liz. Could, I could do those, and I could also do X-Files. Well, obviously, yes. Right. I think we, we've probably done this before. But, Liz, uh, example, please save us. Pull us out of friends land and give us friends who aren't friends. I'm going to take us, into, uh, I'm gonna take us uh, to a dramedy place uh, with Orange is the New Black. And this is a show that has a lot of female friendships at its core. Uh, it, it involves, like, because it's a cast of, like, 90% women. Uh, but the bond between Tasty and Pusey has always been like a real anchor for the show and one that the show kind of brutally utilized uh, at the end of season four to make the show sadder than it has ever been uh, until, of course, we got to season five and it got really dark and weird. And I still haven't figured out how I feel about season five of Orange is the New Black. I've seen people who re- I, I initially really liked it. There's some angry people out there. There are some angry people who are very mad at it. And there's some stuff in that season that honestly, like, makes me pretty mad too. But, you know, I've been rewatching uh, just while answering emails and so forth, season one of Orange, and just how much how much affection there is between some of these characters. It's really delightful, but especially Tasty and Pusey. They are such a delightful couple, and they have a complicated but really genuine friendship. So that's my quick rant on it. You have, you've had, I forget how much Orange you've actually watched. Like season one, a little bit of season two. Um, I was here for your tearful confession of what happened in season four. Yeah, you were, you, helped, you talked me through that. That was nice of you. Well, I wouldn't say nice. I would never, that seems extreme. 
Yeah, but I mean, I feel like there's something, I mean, that's kind of a weird example because there are so many other characters on that show. Ben, do you have an example of a show that is completely, completely defined by the fact that it's it stars two women? I mean, Broad City would be a great example of that. Broad City is probably the proto-example of, of all this. Well, you could go back to, like, I Love Lucy, but I mean, I don't know if that friendship defined the show as much as Lucy and Ricardo, but their friendship was obviously integral to it. Um, so yeah. you, could, you could take it back. There's definitely a lot of, sol- I mean, even, you know, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, um, there's there's a number of kind of classic examples of it, but for... Marion Rhoda. Right. Yeah. I'm the Rhoda! Yes. That. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, I mean, I yeah, I, I, love, I love Broad City. I have talked about it a lot <laughs> probably probably i mean definitely not more than i should because we can't talk about it enough it could very well cross over into friends territory someday where i'm just going on rants about broad city especially if it stays i mean it's very popular amongst a niche audience i don't think it gets outstanding ratings but it gets good ratings for comedy central and for what's like the time slot it's in and stuff yeah um, but uh, but if it, uh, reason for bringing that up, if it's not as popular as Friends, because nothing is ever going to be as popular as Friends was. I mean, this is just, I mean, this is the state of television we live in. Uh, yeah. But uh, because of that, I'll probably be more prone to rant about it to make sure people watch it, and then it'll be probably less interesting for people because they won't know what the fuck I'm talking about mm-hmm. when I'm talking about the montage to kick off season four of them both in the bathroom and we're just watching their bathroom habits which includes talking to the talking to each other which is one of the great things and i love the broad city um how are they called the little web episodes they release uh, hack into broad city hack into broad city um i love those things because they're literally just two minute examples of the strength behind this friendship it's something where like the last one that i just saw was them um, having a normal conversation, and then they both had an understanding where they were making smoothies, and whenever one of them turned on the smoothie, that was when they'd yell the things they don't like about the other person at them, which were, you know, silly, stupid stuff, but they just needed to say it, and they needed to, like, say it to them, even though they didn't want the other person to hear it, because that's too mean. That was, like, a it's it's... It's not something that you're going to base an entire episode on, but it is so funny and insightful that you want it out there in the world, and they do that, and that was that's beautiful. So I I, I love the way that they uh, talk about their friendship. I love the way it's developed over the course of the season. I love how it's not even really that big of a talking point. Like they're not spending all their time just talking about, man, we're the best friends in the world. It's more like just that this is just how it is, and that's sometimes the best way to examine friendship is just to take it, understand it from the get go, and then just do whatever the fuck you want. And I think they've, what they've done that's really nice with Broad City is they've really defined they, both both Abby and Alana as the characters as their characters on the show are very well defined as very different people, um, but at the same time that never really proves to be a that that's not too often an element of conflict within their relationship. It's like they both really embrace each other's you know differences. Yeah, it celebrates kind of the. Um the unnamed allure between two people, that connection that's formed over, you know, time, conversation, immediate, like, eyesight. Like, there's just some people who you have a natural rhythm with and that you connect over the small things and that crosses over, you know, larger life goals or plans or backgrounds or whatever it is. And, I mean, they're not, you know, polar opposites by any means, but uh, they celebrate kind of the minutiae that draws people together and that, that 
builds that bigger connection. So it's it's pretty beautiful. I forget what their origin story is. Like, how did they become friends? Do you remember? I f- have we do we know? It's a good question. I feel like ooh. it feels like there has been a flashback. It's been a while. Maybe I think maybe they're in the trailer. There's a tease about there being a flashback to when they first met. I don't know. If you if you if you have a more encyclopedic knowledge of Broad City than us, uh, which would not Slash be hard. The ability to wiki. Yes. Well, yeah, which we don't have at this moment because we're recording a podcast. Right. I need to talk about the OC. And Ben needs to talk about the OC. Go the ahead. OC. The OC is an example of a toxic female relationship. Interesting. This is a, I, I like I like the flip side of the coin here. Uh, and and it's kind of appropriate given that it's a soap opera, but it's also somewhat unacknowledged by the series itself. In that Summer, played by Rachel Bilson, and Marissa, played by Misha Barton, uh, while introduced as best friends and somewhat of equals in terms of status, let's mm-hmm. say, right. um, both within the high school dynamic and within the general family monetary class system, um, they're they're horrible for each other. And and Rachel uh, Bilson takes Summer to this this extraordinary place, just this beautiful arc where she transitions and develops into um, the best character on the show, like the the like the prototypical ideal of of a human being. Uh, is is summer from from the OC, whereas Marissa is just a dumpster fire, and you almost immediately dislike her, and she just keeps nailing in those 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 nails just into your heart, and it hurts, and you're like, God, this person is horrible. Why why is Ryan attracted to her, and and why 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 does Summer put up with this? And they slowly kind of get torn apart over the course of three seasons, um, but not in a way where they have like a big fallout and and disregard each other more in just like that way that the the plot necessitated them to do different things because Marissa was off uh, making friends with people who she was obviously attracted to but was in denial about being attracted to so she was dating somebody else while Summer was in a perfectly healthy relationship with Seth or you know uh, getting the fuck away from Seth while he was being a crazy pants and and dating someone seriously or you know she was pursuing her studies and, and trying to get into Brown while Marissa was crashing with a fucking murderer surfboard fuckhead on the beach for like three weeks and and spitting at her mom i mean it's just it's this it's this just toxic relationship between the two of them that ultimately ends in the demise of the evil one which is a joyous (laughs) celebration which we've all come to accept at this point um but you know it's it's a fascinating friendship to study because Till the end, like up until Marissa says goodbye, thinking she's going to go live with her dad in Hawaii, not that she's going to get into a car wreck because of her <laughs> her, her horrible life decision to become friends slash lovers with Volchek. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't even remember what I was talking about. I got distracted. What did I you say? Were, you were just... I mean, it was a we, rant we, we, for sure. We, 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 I accidentally pressed the. You pressed the button. <laughs> I pressed. I pressed the the uh, uh, talk about the OC Marissa Cooper of the OC button. This happens about once every oh, couple of months. <laughs> I remember saying it was that they 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 never acknowledged the fact that these two women had grown apart in a sense that uh, they they shouldn't be friends anymore, and they and yet they remain friends. They did. They remained friends until the very end. And sometimes those childhood bonds are exactly like that. You might have a friend where you just watch them make destructive decision after destructive decision. And if you're, you know, that loyal of a person, you stand by them anyway. Like you maintain that friendship and you're there for them no matter what, uh, even if they're, you know, fucking over one of your other best friends or just, you know, 
living life in the toilet and ignoring you or doing drugs and, and not telling you about any of their relationships or, or the fact that they're dropping out of school or the fact that they, you know, hate their mom and, and uh, hate their dad and, like, they're just not talking anymore. Like, no matter what it is, no matter all, what horrible thing Marissa did to Summer, Summer stuck by her. And um, luckily, Summer never paid the price for that other than the emotional turmoil of losing one of her friends. But, uh, but Marissa thankfully did because she's the fucking worst, Liz. I think you have cursed more in the last five minutes of discussing the OC than you have in like the past ten podcasts. We really should have brought on. I should have. I should have called my sister before we started this because she's like, she's got better insights um, as to the specifics of Marissa. Like a lot of the things I just mentioned are general topics that were redundantly emphasized over the course of the series, and and it it made her a bad character as well as a bad person. But Katie's got really good. And, like a better memory than I do, obviously. Who doesn't? But she's got a very good memory. Um, and we both bonded over this as it was happening because it was just, it was unbelievable. Like I was very lucky to be watching the OC in college when I could, you know, heavily drink without huge consequences mm-hmm. because I needed that to get these horrible thoughts, you know, buried deep in a bottle of whiskey. So anyway, that's an example of a toxic female friendship. <laughs> if you know you're in one of those, you can email Liz at IndieWire.com, and she'll give you some advice on how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to watch how to stay in it and possibly ruin your life, I recommend the OC because it's entertaining. Yeah, that's fair. Um, another female friendship that's interesting in terms Are we done? No. We're not. We're, no. we're done with you. We're not done with the OC. Okay, good. <laughs> are you going to talk about um, – are you going to talk about – Summer and Anna's complicated relationship. <laughs> We're not. I want to move on to another Perhaps show. Perhaps Taylor Townsend, who was introduced later and kind of reluctantly was friends with Summer. And that was a little tough for Summer because she didn't want to replace a friend because Marissa just died. She was still hurt. But Taylor was kind of getting into things with Ryan. And, you know, Ryan and Seth were still close. And it was necessitated. The OC is... By the way, the best nighttime soap ever made. And I will hear no ill will against it unless you want to email me about Summer. Or I'm sorry, Marissa, who's <laughs> the worst. Do you feel like is, – is like is Marissa Cooper like the flaw that makes it perfect? That's a fascinating question, Liz. Um, it would be hard to imagine what the OC could have become if Marissa made good decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the OC would have been better if she wasn't such a bad character. Like, there were times when she was both a bad character and a bad human being. Um, when she was just being a bad human being, sometimes that drove solid story points. The Oliver storyline, hotly contentious storyline among OC fans of season one, um, I stand by. I think it's a great storyline. I love it. I, I, the, the, the drama in it is is peak OC, you know, high school mm-hmm. drama, even when he gets the gun out. I mean... <laughs> Sure, it's silly, but what are we going to do? Uh, so no, I mean, there, there's, there's, she's imperfect too often. I'd say to okay. make it that, like, kind of necessary flaw. Gotcha. Like overall. Okay. Well, I want to take what you said about the idea that, like, friendships sometimes, you know, female friendships. We've seen a number of examples on television of how they can change and kind of adapt and, you know, primarily fade. in the OC. Right? What? Yes, this OC is, a, is the best example. Continue, yes. Yeah, of course. But I think um, one of the things I thought How I Met Your Mother did really well, especially... Oh, God, Liz, what a transition. Was, Continue. 
It was basically well. It's kind of similar to what you're talking about. It's an example of a friend of of a female friendship. This, of course, between Lily and Robin, where Lily and Robin basically had to kind of confront the fact that their lives were very different. And by the so by the end of the series, uh, you know, we've watched them become best friends because they meet in the first episode. So they're not close until basically, I guess. I guess like I've like probably like mid season two or so is like when they actually start really becoming like best friends beyond, you know, their a sh- their, you know, shared acquaintances, and actually no, near the end of season one, there's like that the episode where uh, they sneak into the prom, mm-hmm. and they have a really nice scene in the bathroom where like Lily just basically confesses like she's freaking out over the wedding, and Robin is like you know just kind of talks her through it. Um, so I'd say that's about when they really like become good friends, and then of course by the end of the series they are best friends, but they are best friends who drift apart, and we see that happen, and it's hard. It's a little sad, and stop it. I just don't acknowledge the end of it. I like that. I, I really, you I know, know my you feelings don't. on it, so it's hard how, for me to talk about it seriously. How many? How many minutes did I just spend quietly nodding while you talked about the OC? The OC is a brilliant masterpiece that no one disagrees on. The How I Met Your Mother is hotly contentious. Oh, people disagree about the OC. Well, they disagree about things, you know, silly things. Like, is Seth better than Ryan? Ryan's better. But, but anyway, come I mean, at me, bro. I mean, speaking of shows that where you and I, again, disagree on the ending. Oh, no. I, what? What are you going to say? Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah. Like... Anne and, like, the end of Parks and Recreation um, brings with it the end, of course, of Anne and Leslie, though technically, like, Anne, Anne moving away in season six was, like, a very sad thing that really did have, like, a major impact on both of them as characters. Um, but it, you know, I like I think, how it, it basically resulted in Leslie doubling down isn't enough, but quadrupling exponentially down on work. Yeah, she became so much more invested in work. I mean, obviously Ben too, but you know, more work. More work. Um, But yeah, I think like the like that dynamic was always really interesting, and especially you know the fact that through long and short, like they loved each other dearly. Like that never changed. But you know, life changes, and I think you know it speaks to the power of television that you know you live with characters for a number of years, and you get to see their lives grow, and you get to see them move on or uh, move up. Now, based on the two things you mentioned, and I actually thought there was going to be more that I could think of now, but I'm curious if you can think of more than I can. So in How I Met Your Mother, how those two came together was because of men. It was because the male friends that existed yeah. and who, like Robin was attached to Ted and then right. the group, et cetera. Like that's how she became best friends with her friend. And they were the only two like primary female friends on the show. Right. Um, whereas all the other stuff we've talked about, has been independent of that. They're not brought together by men. They're brought together by each other, by, you know, uh, you know, Rachel and Monica were friends as kids. Right. Um, Marissa and Summer were friends as kids. Uh, playing house, same and, deal. Playing house, uh, but, like, Leslie and, and uh, Anne met at the meeting. Like, they met yeah, in it. the pilot when she came to yeah. the, the city council meeting. So you could, you could maybe, the closest you get is arguing that without Andy breaking his legs... Yeah, true. And would not go to the that's, meeting, yeah, but that's, that's but that's that's circumstantial, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like there are more examples of this. I guess Big Bang Theory. Um, if you'd say that, I can't. Th- I don't know their names, but I know that they met through the three guys, like on the show. So maybe it's more of a network sitcom thing. 
Cece and um, Jess were childhood Jess friends. Jess were childhood friends. Um, I actually just Googled uh, the question about Broad City and uh, at least this one random Reddit post I found uh, very quickly indicates that uh, they it's not been officially declared um so it's it's some it's somewhere uh somewhere it's uh, somewhere at some point probably the show will go back and explore that history interesting um who knows who knows um but yeah any any other no another notable f- uh female friendship i want i wanted to toss this out to you and see if you agree that this counts as a female friendship but i really love the bond between all of the sistras of orphan black and it, they technically count as sisters because they're all clones. Um, and of course, they're, they call themselves as sistras. But there's something about the way in which they all interact and all have their different relationships with each other that I've always been really struck by. Like the fact that they will just like drop everything to help each other out mm-hmm. when they can uh, has always had an impact on me. Well, it's interesting too because like that's a good example of something where you're introducing family to the equ- equation. Um, not a traditional family, let's say, but that might yeah. be a better way to, to talk about it in general because the idea of dropping everything to go help somebody, that's often justified on TV as a family obligation. It's like they're blood, they're my family, like i got to do it like, no matter what. Um, but it was also something that on shows that take friendship extremely seriously, that's what they would do as well. Um, like, again, going back to my unreal expectations built on around friends, the friends would drop everything on a hat, a hat, like just to go take care of each other. They right. would they would reschedule everything to make sure that they got to somebody's birthday dinner or uh, made it somebody's play or, or whatever like that. So, I mean, with Orphan Black, I, I definitely consider that a friendship. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't think that um, a technical or um, traditional bond of family dissuades from the idea of being friends because you can have family members who aren't your friends that you're not that close with in that regard, but mm-hmm. you can have family members who absolutely are. Yeah. My no, sister's my friend. Oh, that's sweet. I think I'm friends with my brother. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I've seen your texts. <laughs> he he does get me. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, and I think, you know, it's a common theme you see in television a lot, which is the idea of, like, you know, friend groups becoming family and, like, you know, people mm-hmm. finding each other through, you know, work or finding each other through just, you know. Build your own family. Build your own family. It's, what, it's a big part of life. Yep. Um, and but you know like that blend between friend, friendship and family, uh, you know, becomes a really interesting one. Yeah, it's it creates a lot of dynamics to explore, because there's always that fallback, which I always consider kind of bad writing. But you know, it, it's also there's a truth to it. But if you if the only reason you're still friends with somebody is because they're family, I'd like to think that more more people in real life would sever that than they do. Um, or at least, you know, they wouldn't actually be friends anymore. They wouldn't continue doing things that friends do that family don't. Um, but generally, yes, it, it creates an interesting dynamic in that there's a there's a family equation, there's a history to it that can be built upon or, or altered. How I Met Your Mother is a, actually a great example of altering history to define friendships in a better way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's curious. Yeah. Um. But I feel like if you have if you have examples of your favorite female friendships we didn't mention, like uh, Sex in the City, like Sex in the City, yeah, you know, Sex in the City is a good one, definitely. Um, yes, uh, <laughs> I would say so. Uh, Buffy I, the Vampire Slayer could be yeah. it could be argued. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Going down the Allison Hannigan IMDb page. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I think the thing that that's important about discussing female friendship is it 
you don't have these sorts of bonds without um, a, without without having two female characters on a show. Mm. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you get what what is li- what we literally got to see. Reese Witherspoon referred to as Smurfette syndrome um, on during TCAs uh, and. So it speaks to the value of having more than one female character on your television program. Like, sometimes having two is nice because then you get to explore this wonderful, wonderful rich bond. And I, I want you to do that because I need to understand it. Like, I need I need knowledge. Ben, I ben is so lost. I'm just lost in a, in a valley of white men. Ugh, the worst. That's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Um, in that, with that being said, Ben... What was the best thing you watched last week? Glow. Yay! It's great. I love Glow. Female friendship. Kinda. Yeah. Interestingly enough, yes. But very complicated. No spoilers here. No spoilers. But this is, of course, the new Netflix uh, wrestling comedy. 80s. 80s wrestling comedy starring Allison Brie. Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin. Who is... It's it's delightful to see her really getting, getting like a couple of big notable roles. Liz said delightful. Check. Yeah, whatever. I don't. I don't. I don't ascribe to your role. I use delightful as much as I like. Good for you, Liz. Delightful. Oh God, what's the best thing you watched this week? Um, it was nearly the American Gods finale, but the answer is the Better Call Saul finale. Mm, finales. Yes, it, big big finale week. Um, kind wow. of kind of we're entering a new. I think like a new cycle of shows is getting started. The April onslaught is coming to an end. Yes, basically that's I, I guess that's basically what it is, and so now we move on to uh, July. Not feeling it. <laughs> that's that's Liz's response to what she's looking forward to. I'm just no July, no, I'm out. <laughs> uh, what what about so Ben? That being said, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to Snowfall, which is a July release. Um, I don't remember. Did I talk about this already? We've talked about it, but you can go ahead and just quickly give the cliff notes. Um, you, we I talked about it during it. our preview. You saw oh, it. Oh, we talked about it on, uh, yeah, the summer Some TV preview. preview. Uh, yeah, I saw it uh, at ATX Festival. They had the premiere down there. Um, it was good. It's it's a, it's an exciting show. Uh, it's, it's another period piece. Uh, this one set in uh, South Central L.A. It's describing itself as the birthplace of crack, uh, which is obviously a, a story that's ripe with drama. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's interesting because they, they do take a lot of different sides to telling it. The primary story is a young man who's very ambitious, uh, but he's also, you know, he wants to do things the right way, and he's being frustrated by his lack of opportunity because of that. Uh, but then they also have the other side of things where there's like a, there's a CIA agent who's helping to facilitate the drug trade in order to fund things uh, in our own government, which is obviously inspired by true stories, um, so it's it's a it's an interesting. I mean, I don't like using the word interesting, as I keep doing, but um, it is a very richly told story, both in the vibrancy of the colors on screen, the framings. There's a nice long take to kind of open things up. Uh, John Singleton uh, is is one of the co-creators. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a good story. I'm very interested to see where it goes. There I go again, saying interesting, Liz. What is the next thing you're looking forward to? I basically need to catch up with Doctor Who. I, I um, our colleague Han has been following it pretty regularly, which is great. Uh, it's nice to not Han Win. Han Win. 
Uh, and she's been writing some really interesting coverage. And but I, but I see I saw the first few episodes. I really like the new companion, and I'm very interested to see uh, how it transitions to the next Doctor and when that transition happens and who the next Doctor will be is a very important question for any Who fan. And right now, uh, but but I, like I said, I'm very behind, and I'm more behind on Doctor Who than I ever have been with a with with a season uh, since the show began. Uh, since the show was revived back in 2005. So this feels very weird for me. It feels very weird to be behind on Doctor Who, but I hope to fix that soon because it remains, it, it's always been a very interesting show in the way it approaches time travel, the way it approaches character, and the way it approaches storytelling. It's old. Yep. So uh, you can read all about that and more on IndieWire.com where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features. And if you want to hear more insightful podcasting from the IndieWire team, which includes me, who says things in response to long, intelligent monologues by colleagues with It's Old, then you can listen to Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. Um, you can check out Turn It On Podcast with Michael Schneider. Uh, you can also listen to the wonderful Chris O'Fault with the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast, and they will all say way more things than I just did. Indeed. Better things. Yes. Smarter things. Oh. Deeper things. But for proof that Ben does occasionally say something intelligent from time no, to time. No, don't. That doesn't work. New transition. <laughs> Can't make that promise. For lots of gifts, there you, can find it ben, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. <laughs> I don't say intelligent things, but I can I can gif intelligent you can gif, concepts. And, you can and, bluff. You can gift bluff your way. Right, right, right. right. Way like, it. What does that mean? Well, it means something deep that I probably don't grasp. That's how I hope people respond to my gifts. Uh, and if you want actual intelligent commentary, then make sure to follow Liz on Twitter. That's at LizLit with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. 